Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again for the last time this year to join together in worship of our triune God. We extend a warm welcome to all present and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel direct our hearts and minds in faith and in trust to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. This afternoon, the worship service will be led by Reverend C. Klein. And before we commence this service, let us sing hymn 85 verse 2. Please rise. We acknowledge that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Receive the Lord's greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now sing in response to the Lord's greeting from Psalm 90, verses 1 and 8. 90, 1 and 8.
that is now with Church of All Ages, profess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. And let everyone say in his heart, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven and became incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he arose according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And we believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And let us now sing in confirmation of this confession, Psalm 46, verses 1 and 5.
us seek the Lord in prayer. We'll pray. <coughs> Eternal God, gracious Father, we thank and praise you for your faithfulness. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God, showing us your deeds of might and splendour. Thank you for the opportunity to be here together this afternoon in freedom on this last day of the year. You have blessed us with the riches of your favour. Thank you for the numerous opportunities and possibilities you have given us during the past year. In our personal lives, in our families, in the churches and in society. Thank you for the freedom to serve you and to educate our children according to your word. Thank you for the children that were born and the marriages that were solemnized. Thank you that we could develop and apply the gifts and talents you have entrusted to us. Thank you for education and work, for health and strength, also for healing. Thank you for your care and comfort when we struggled. You didn't leave us alone in our struggle. You were always there to guide, sustain and help us. You gave us a communion of saints. Thank you for the progress of your gospel, for faithful preaching and teaching. Thank you for faith and repentance, for people who profess their faith, and for the perseverance in the faith. All wonders of your grace. In the past year, there were also setbacks, disappointments, there was suffering and grief. Some lost loved ones through death. There is now that painful, empty place. You remind us of our mortality and sinfulness. Yes, our own sins often stood in the way. We do not trust in you with our whole heart and life. We have often not shown that love and zeal for you as we anticipated. Many of our good intentions were not realized. We often fail to show the fruit of your spirit and we therefore humble ourselves before you. Will you graciously forgive us all our sins and shortcomings? And we thank you that in Jesus Christ we indeed receive forgiveness and are constantly restored in relationship with you. Father, will you bless the preaching this afternoon? May your word touch our hearts and lives. Equip us for our life with you and for you. Hear us, we pray, in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now open the word of God. And I first want to read to you from the Old Testament. Psalm 77. First read Psalm 77. 
to read the word of God. To the choir master, according to Jedithan, a psalm of Asaph. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I considered the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favourable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And let's continue our reading from Revelation 1. Revelation 1, we'll read verses 1 to 8. Revelation 1, we'll read from verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loved us, loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood 
and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. And now follows the text, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And let's now sing from Psalm 77, verses 4 and 5. And notice in that psalm that the psalmist initially complains about God, that the his situation is very trying, difficult, and seems as though God is far away. But then he reflects and he says, I will remember the Lord's great deeds. And that's when he changes his perspective completely. So we'll sing 77, verse 4 and 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at the transition from one year into the next, it was good to reflect on the past and to look to the future. A lot has happened in the past years. Our world and country has experienced crisis 
upon crisis. They've even invented a new term for it, namely polycrisis, which means a series of crises occurring at the same time. Before the COVID-19 crisis was over, we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine early last year. And these events left us with the financial and strategic crisis we experience today. While our Western countries are strongly divided within themselves, we see the rise of autocratic nations asserting their power. Under the leadership of Xi Jinping, China has become more aggressive, threatening peace in our area. Add to that the ongoing war in Europe between Russia and Ukraine and the conflict in the Middle East. It would seem that since the Second World War, there has never been such a great risk of a war as now. In these uncertain and unpredictable times, people are desperately looking for security. And beloved, how was it with the progress of God's kingdom in this past year? We continue to enjoy the freedom in our country to spread the good news and to live out our faith. God has changed hearts and lives of many people. Don't underestimate it. At the same time, the secularization of our society has continued, as has the assault on Christian freedoms. It would seem that Satan's kingdom has again made great, great progress in our country and world. Beloved, how do you in such uncertain times face the future? What do you expect from the coming year? Yes, what do you expect from your God? Who is he for you? Well, let's listen what God says about himself. I preach to you God's word under the theme, God's self-revelation to his suffering church. God's self-revelation to his suffering church. He makes himself known as the all-embracing God, as the faithful God, and as the almighty God. John receives the privilege of hearing this self-revelation of God. And he hears it for our sake. After all, he has to write it down and pass it on. And especially for the New Testament church, it's vitally important that we're reminded of God's self-revelation. After what characterizes the last days in which we live, this time is characterized by the fact that the church's expectations and the reality of every day often seem to conflict with each other. God speaks of grace and peace, of love and redemption. But what do we see of it? The church lives under the cross. 
God says that he made us a kingdom and priests. But how does it show? God speaks of the glory and dominion of Jesus Christ. But what do we see of it? What do we see of the coming of Christ? And the wailing on account of him? Christ's enemies continue to mock and persecute him and his followers. They increase in boldness and power. John already experienced that his time. It seemed that the glory and power belonged to the Roman Emperor rather than to Jesus Christ. The church came under increasing pressure of anti-Christian forces. John himself was an exile on the island Patmos, banished because of his faith. The believers looked like pawns on the chessboard of the mighty powers here on earth. Well, in such a situation, God reveals himself to us. Verse 7 speaks of Christ coming with the clouds. And in connection with this, God now starts speaking. I, the Lord God, guarantee that the things mentioned are reality. In me, everything stands firm. After all, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. The Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. In the English language, we would say the A and the Z. And between those two letters, there are all the other letters. If God is the A and the Z, then he is the all-embracing God. Nothing falls outside his rule. No development in history happens without him. I am the Alpha, says God. I am the first, the beginning. I precede everything and everyone. Before me there was no one. I am the origin, the creator of everything and everyone. Nothing and no one exists without me. You can look up at the mighty on this earth, the rulers. <coughs> at that time, people looked to Rome as the place where the decisions were made. But God is the first. Before the Roman emperors ever existed, God was busy for ages already. Today, you can look to Beijing, Moscow, Washington, or New York City, the headquarters of the United Nations, and think that that is where the decisions are made. But don't forget, I am the Alpha, the first, says God. Before Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, 
or the United Nations were there, God was already present. They owe their very existence and possibilities to him. Without God, they cannot so much as move. You may be concerned about certain developments in the world and in Australia, but don't panic. When you see evil and ungodliness increasing, know this, God is the first. The anti-Christian warriors can do nothing without God. And they can only go as far as God allows them to go. And know this, God is not only the A, but also the Z. He completes the work he has begun. His plans never fail. His counsel stands. He moves from the A to the Z. The earthly leaders can also make history. And they can sometimes achieve great things. It can impress you, but also frighten you. But those who are in power today are not the same as those who were in power, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago. People can start with A. They might reach B. But at a certain point of time, they have to quit and someone else has to take over. No human being embraces the past, the present and the future. As a human being, you never really finish the job. But the Lord God, he is the A and the Z. What he starts, he also completes. He spans the ages. His work continues. Everything that lies between the A and the Z is governed by him. And everything is focused on the Z. His goal will be achieved. And therefore, brothers and sisters, don't let yourself be confused by what you see and experience here on earth. By the suffering of the present age nor by the suffering of Christians in this world. Don't let yourself be demoralized by the increase of evil, ungodliness. I am the A and the Z, says the Lord God. And God moves from the A to the Z. His work continues precisely along the path of suffering. Crises, blood, fire, droughts and flooding rains. Just read the rest of the book of Revelation. The path from the A to the Z is the path of the seven seals being opened. The path of the seven trumpets. The path of the seven bowls of God's wrath being poured out. So many things are set to happen. Disaster upon disaster. Crisis upon crisis. The clouds accumulate. 
And in that way, the Z is reached. In that way, the fullness of God's kingdom will come, in which he will be all in all. So don't be afraid of what you see and experience. God's kingdom is being established and will come in full glory. The citizens of his kingdom will be gathered and will come and be glorified together with Christ. For God is the Alpha and the Omega, the all-embracing God. Beloved, the Lord God continues by presenting himself as the one who is and who was and who is to come. That brings us to the second point. He makes himself known as the faithful God. The words who is and who was and who is to come remind us of the name by which God made himself known to Moses. Yahweh. Lord in capital letters in the Old Testament. Which means I am who I am. I will be who I am. I will show myself to be what I promised I would be. The unchanging, faithful covenant God. As the one who is, God is the absolute being. Life itself. Without beginning or end. The God who does not go through stages of development. As is the case with us created beings. The immutable God. We humans all grow and change. What applies to someone today may not apply tomorrow. You never know exactly where you're at with human beings. But in God who is, there is no development or change. What he used to be, according to his being, he still is now and will always be. You can always know where you're at with him. This eternal, unchanging God revealed himself in time. That's why he is the God who was. He showed himself in the past as the one who is. The always present and active God for the redemption of his people. Think of the history of Israel. We know him as the God of the covenant who remains faithful forever. And he showed his unwavering faithfulness when he sent his son into this world. And as for the future, we have the assurance that he will continue to show himself to be the one he is. He's also the one who is to come. And note that God is not referring to the distant future here. You must not see the coming of God as something that will only happen at the end of the age. In the text, the present tense is used. He is the one who is coming. You may see him coming from day to day as the faithful covenant God. 
He continues to come with his grace and spirit until his dwelling place will be with man and he will dwell with us without interruption eternally. But beloved, why then that suffering and distress of the church and of God's children? Where do you then see the love and faithfulness of God that the stress can sometimes be so severe that it's, so to speak, too much to bear. How can you then persevere in your faith in God? In his fatherly care, God reminds us again and again of his name, of who he is. He who is, who was, and who is to come. Perhaps you think, but what does it help me to be reminded of that name? God can say this, but if he does not show it in such a way that I can recognize it, what good is it to me? Well, beloved, Asaph and many other believers wrestled with similar problems. And Asaph writes about it in the Psalm 73 to 77. The outward circumstances of God's people seem to contradict God's promises and faithfulness. And what then does Asaph do about it in Psalm 77? In his distress, he began to think of the deeds and wonders of the Lord. He says in the verses 12 to 15, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. The psalm began with a complaint about the present. And the psalm ends with praise to God for his mighty deeds. Asaph extols God's works of redemption. And thus the psalmist also shows us the way out of that apparent contradiction between God's faithfulness and the harsh reality of life. At first, Asaph was busy playing off the suffering of God's people against God's promises. But later he learned to see that suffering in the light of God's promises. He initially started with what was visible, what he saw and felt, experienced, and to conclude from that who God was. And then you automatically go wrong, attributing things to God which don't fit with him at all. But finally he learned to look 
at the visible things in light of God's revelation. And then the problem disappeared. The problem of the seeming contradiction between revelation and reality. For by meditating on God's past deeds, he rediscovered the truth of God's name, of who he is. At the exodus from Egypt, God proved himself to be who he is, the faithful covenant God. And what about the crossing of the Red Sea? What about the conquest of Canaan? God was the same. The unchangeable, faithful God who fulfills his promises. And when Asaph saw that, he found rest. Even though his trying circumstances had not changed. In light of God's word and works, he had no reason whatsoever to doubt God's goodness and grace. For the name of him who is, and who was, and who is to come, is a trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with him, relationship with him, and that we can eternally depend on him. My beloved, what about the suffering and dangers of God's children? Can't God then immediately change the situation for good? Can he not avert all evil from his children? Why that sudden sickness or death? Why the persecution of the church in this world? Why the exile of John in Patmos? Is God then a powerless God? Can't he do anything about the evil his children experience? Do we perhaps have to conclude that what God in his love wants to do, he's not able to do? In his self-revelation to God, to John, the Lord assures us that nothing is impossible for him. He also makes himself known as the Almighty, that's the third point. The Lord God says, I have everything. Yes, truly everything in my hand. Nothing can ever stop my redemptive plans. Everything must and will submit to me. I'm not any more powerful than all the powers combined. But I am almighty. All power, also from the devil and his followers, comes from me. Those in power here on earth have no power without God. And he uses them willingly or despite themselves to carry out his plans. God's almighty power creates space to others to live and operate in. He gives man, also evil men, the space, the time, the ability to act. 
He takes the responsibility of man seriously. No, this is not a sign of helplessness on his part, as some suggest. Because when he creates space, then this is a conscious act of his power. This is proof of his superior power. Without him, they can't do anything. They can't do anything more than he allows them to do. Thus, evil and adversity can never last longer and be heavier than God determines. Along this path, God sovereignly moves from the A to the Z. And along this path of trials and tribulations, he sovereignly prepares his people for glory via suffering to glory. Brother, sister, are you struggling to comprehend God's ways? Well, it's because you are human and we are sinful and short-sighted. God's decrees are unfathomable. We creatures can't comprehend why God acts in this way with one person and in that way with another. And if we blindly stare at what is before us, then we will never get out of it. And therefore, under all circumstances, listen to what God has revealed about himself. Live with an open Bible. Then you discover that God's faithfulness and almighty power are always present for the good of his people. What he and his love wants to do, he is also able to do. Here, how he reveals himself, I am the almighty. It's mentioned again and again in the Bible. I am who I am, the Almighty. Just read the Bible. Follow the events of biblical and redemptive history. It's one great proof of the reality of God's name. From the creation, he has shown himself to be the Almighty. Let me mention just a few examples. Abraham would receive an own son. Abraham and Sarah both no longer had the ability to get children. Yet they receive a child. God the Almighty did it. Israel suffered terribly in, in Egypt. Yet the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. Exodus 1 verse 12. God the Almighty did it. Israel had no hope of escaping their slave drivers in Egypt. God the Almighty led the people, led the people out of Egypt to the promised land with a mighty hand, with signs and wonders. The land of Canaan was, humanly speaking, impossible to conquer. God the Almighty gave the promised land to them. And so we can continue. 
In the fullness of time, God showed himself as the Almighty in the incarnation of his Son from the Virgin Mary. And consider Christ's resurrection, ascension, the outpouring of his Spirit, the gathering of his church across the globe, almighty acts of God, acts of conversion, perseverance. Continue reading history, including church history. This is how you get to know your God. This is how he is. Brothers and sisters, do you still realize who the Lord your God is? Do you know with whom you may enter the new year? Read and reread his self-revelation. Then there may be all kinds of uncertainties in your life, in our country, in the world. Then reality may seem contrary to God's rich promises. But lift up your hearts to the God of the A and the Z, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Don't let yourself be confused. Do not fear. The Lord God does not forsake the works of his hands. He irresistibly moves from the A to the Z. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. You have every reason to trust in him. Also in 2024, his plans will be carried out and his kingdom will come and trust your future and the future of this world to him. Amen. And there's a sing response from Psalm 121.
Lord God, Heavenly Father, you deserve all praise as the Alpha and the Omega. You span the past, the present and the future. How tiny and insignificant we creatures are compared to you. Even the mighty on earth whom people fear are nothing compared to you. Thank you for reminding us of your glorious name. We so easily lose sight of who you are by blindly staring at what we see and experience here on earth. Free us from our short-sightedness and blindness. Teach us to entrust ourselves to you, our faithful and almighty covenant God. Thank you for reminding us of the big picture again. How liberating it is to know that the suffering of this age is not the end, but is part of your eternal plan for the restoration of all things and for the preparation of your saints for glory. Grant all of us patient endurance as we look forward to Christ's return. May we in these uncertain times not be overcome by anxiety or fear, but remain focused on Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith and on your eternal kingdom that will come in full glory. May we find security and peace in you. Father, we are saddened by the increase of wickedness and immorality in our society. We grieve because of the rejection of your wholesome law, because the foundations of our society are being destroyed. May we all continue to demonstrate our love for you and for your law by faithfully and joyfully doing what you want us to do. Your will, which alone is good. May our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to you, our Father in heaven. Thank you that your word cannot be bound. Whatever restriction humans may set upon us. And that that word will continue to change hearts and lives. Grant us wisdom and discernment, courage, as we fight for your cause in this world. Be merciful to us as a nation. May many be called, still be called out of darkness to your wonderful light. And thank you, Father, that you keep speaking to us. Also, through the disasters and calamities that happen. May many recognize the folly of trusting in mortal man. Of trusting in our own wisdom and abilities. Get many to realize 
their own bankruptcy and to flee to Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world. Father, will you bless the work of mission and evangelism here in our own country and overseas so that your word may go out in power and spirit. Bless us as congregation. Will you provide us in this coming year with an own pastor and teacher? Bless the calling work. Equip all office bearers for the various tasks. Keep us all in your care and prepare us all for glory. Father, bless our federal and state leaders. Grant much wisdom and insight, courage, as they navigate us through this difficult phase of history with its huge financial, cultural and strategic challenges. Bless Christian politicians and organisations like the ACL and ARPA as they stand up and help us to stand up for the truth in the public square. May the Christian freedoms we now enjoy be protected. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word and against your people. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. Amen. You now receive the opportunity to give your offerings to the Lord. The collection is for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. And then we'll sing after that from hymn 83, the two verses.
receive now the blessing of the Lord and go home in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.